Ecclesiastes 8, verse 14. So this is week three. This is week three of our series, The Good Life. Uh, And here's what we've been trying to do. We have, for the last few weeks, been asking this question of what is the good life? Because whether you are asking it or not, you are asking it. You, you don't know that you're asking it, but you are. You're looking for this. What is the good life? I have an idea of what that might be. But I think the better question needs to be is, who's, what does God say the good life is? I mean, really, at the end of it, what does God say the good life is? And so God, by His grace, has given us this book called Ecclesiastes and this dude named Solomon that had everything that you could ever want plus some. Uh, and we're looking at him and listening to him and seeing what he has to say about what the good life actually is. And so the, the first week we looked at is the good life pleasure, getting what you want, when you want, how you want. And he said, that's vanity. That's chasing the wind. And then he said, is the good life money? Is the good life just accumulating a whole bunch of money? And he said, no, because I had a ton of it. In fact, I was the richest person to ever live. And I, well, you know what I found out? That's also vanity. It's a joke. It's chasing the wind. It wasn't enough. It's not the good life. And so now we want to ask a question that some of you may be asking and some of you may not be asking, but you may get here one day. Is the good life, is the good life one that's free of struggle? Is the good life one that's free of struggle? Maybe it's better to ask it like this. Is the good life the easy life? Is the good life the easy life? And I'll illustrate like this. Uh, There are often a lot of people who look for the easy way. You may know people like this, uh, but that mentality is no more obvious than in the fitness community. And here's, here's what I mean. You've seen the infomercials late at night for Ab Lounge 6.0. And it's like, it's like a rocker, you know, like you lay back in it and then you just rock on the ground. It's like, I'm getting a six pack. Totally. I'm getting a six pack right now. Like you can eat chips and rock on your Ab Lounge at the same time. And it's really good for you. Uh, there, I looked up some of the, the, the best busts of all time. There's a, there was a video called Eight Minute Abs. You can get abs in eight minutes. So if you're looking for abs, dudes, for the summer, you can get them in eight minutes. That obviously didn't work out, right? But people are looking for the easy way, and so they market it, and they're like, eight minute abs, you got this. And they're like, okay, I'm going to buy this video, and I'm going to spend eight minutes doing some crunches, barf on the floor, and then wonder why I don't have a six-pack afterwards. Because the easy way doesn't, the easy way doesn't work. Uh, some, some people were looking for the easy way. They, they created these things. Weighted, weighted silverware. Like, so that you could, like, get a, get a bicep pump while you're bringing the food to your mouth. So, that's, co- that's totally cool. That's totally great if all that you're eating is, like, protein. Just, like, nothing but gains. Nothing but gains. All, Right? That's ridiculous. What you're looking for the easy way out. It's like, how can I eat enormous amounts of food but still have huge biceps? Weighted silverware. That's what we'll do. Weighted silverware. Sauna suits. Have you seen these things? It's like wearing a trash bag and running, which seems like a horrific idea. It's like, you know what I'd like to do while I'm running in Texas? Sweat some more. You're like, dude, you're going to do that anyway. So, and you wear a trash bag such that you cannot feel any breeze. It's like, I would like to die on this run today. So I'm going to wear this sauna suit. But, but I mean, really, it's like I'm looking for the easy way, right? I can put a sauna suit on and lose, lose a ton of water weight just like that. It's because you're look, looking for the easy way. But anybody in that world will tell you, anybody in that world will tell you, if, if, you're, if you're on this journey to fitness, it's not going to be void of struggle. 
It's not. It's just going to be hard. You've got to just look at it, work hard, and go. And that's silly when we're talking about, like, the fitness community, right? It's whatever. And weighted silverware. It's silly. However, if we transfer that mentality into life, if we transfer that mentality into how we live and say, okay, so then maybe the good life is the life that's free of struggle, the life that's free of pain, the life that is easy. You'll transfer that into your life and, and at, at some point you're going to find out that that's not reality. And reality is going to punch you right in the face and you're going to look up and say, what the heck? I thought the good life was free of struggle. I thought the good life was free of pain. I thought the good life was the easy life. But Solomon has something different to say. All right. So Ecclesiastes chapter 8, starting in verse 14. I'll read through verse 17. There's a vanity that takes place on the earth, and there's a righteous, that there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked, and there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I said that this is also vanity. And I commend joy, for man has no good thing under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful, for this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on the earth, how neither day nor night does one's eyes see sleep, then I saw all the work of God, that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However, much However much man, to- man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. So the question then we need to ask, if, if, the, if the good life is not the one that's free of struggle, the easy life, then the question I think is why? Why is the good life not the one that's free of struggle? So what, is, what does Solomon say? Look at verse 14. There's a vanity. Like uh, there's this thing that I see. There's a vanity that takes place on the earth. That there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. And there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. So here's what he says. He goes, there are people that are, they're good people, but you know how they get treated? Like they're wicked people. And there are wicked people, they're like evil people. They get treated like they're good people. They get a benefit. And yet the people that work hard and the people that, that, that do good things, they get bad things on the back end. That doesn't seem fair. Solomon's observing this and saying, this is the life that you're living. And you know this. Plenty of you have worked your butts off for something. And the person that didn't do anything got the better grade or the, the, the spot on the team or the whatever. And you're looking at it going, this is not how this is supposed to go. Or you're looking at somebody else's family of the kid next to you in your class that you know jumps off into all kinds of stuff. And I know what he does with his girlfriend or I know what he smokes on the weekends or whatever. And his family seems to be going pretty good. And my family, it's a wreck. It couldn't be more of a wreck right now. God, I'm trying to be good. And this is what I get. This kid's a moron and he's getting this kind of life. And you do this all the time. And Solomon observed this too. There are good people. They get treated like wicked people. And there are wicked people that get it good. This life is not fair. So, so why does the good life not, it's not one that's free of struggle? Because that's impossible in the broken world we live in. It's impossible. You see, the world that we live in, that you and I live in, is completely not just bent a little bit, not just warped, but it's completely destroyed by this stuff called sin. This, however you want to define sin, right? 
evil deeds, bad things, whatever words you want to replace it with. But you, you know the world's broken. You, you are so aware of that. Like, you can turn on the news for three seconds and be like, well, I'm depressed. Because the world's messed up. I mean, it is. But here's what's he, let's just bring this in closer to home. It's not just the world out there. It's you right here. It's not just world out there that's broken. It's you that's broken because of this stuff called sin. And I don't need to convince you of that. Like in front of your friends, you won't say that. But when you're alone and it's just you, you know how messed up you are. You know where your thoughts go. You know where your eyes go. You know the darkest parts of you, like nobody else. And so in this broken world, we cannot escape struggle and pain. We can't. We can't escape struggle and pain. In fact, Jesus said that in John 16, 33. He said it like this. I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, or in this world you will have trouble. That's a promise from, from Jesus right there. You are going to face struggle in this world. He's talking to people that are following him. So if you're in here, you're like, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. I signed up for this life to get better. Jesus said, hey, you want to come and follow me? In this world, you're going to have trouble. In this world, it's going to be hard. So the good life can't be one that's just free of pain. The good life can't be one that's just free of struggle. That's not a reality in the broken world that we live in. John 15, 18 through 19 says, if the, this is Jesus talking, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Talking to his disciples, talking to the people that are like, I'm all in with you, Jesus. And he's like, hey, I'm just going to let you know the world's going to hate you. You're like, well, that doesn't sound like the Christianity I signed up for. This is the Christianity that Jesus is presenting to us. You're going to look different and you're going to get shoved out. It will happen at some point. Because when, when sinners act, interact with other sinners, it's going to inevitably lead to pain and struggle. And that's all that we interact with, right? You don't interact with people who aren't sinners. You know, you know why me and my wife argue? I know you never thought we argued in our lives, but we argue, just letting you know. Because we're both sinners. And there are days that I want to choose me and not her. And you put two sinners under the same roof for a long period of time, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to end up being a jerk. And there's going to be some kind of pain and some kind of struggle. Because this is the reality of the broken world we live in. The good life isn't one that's free of pain. It's not one that's free of struggle. And some of you, it's not just relational struggle, right? It's not just like, oh, I argued with my dad today or I argued with my sister today. Like some of you experience like great pains, like loved ones dying, how you, parents splitting up, relationships going upside down. I mean, just crazy tragedies. Some of you have experienced unbelievable pain. And you're looking at God going, this is the best you had for me. Really? Don't shake your fist at God. Don't shake your fist at God and say, what? 
This is a result of the broken, messed up, sinful world that we live in. Well, so then the question is this. Okay, so how are we supposed to live in light of this? Okay, so there is, there is struggle and pain in the world. How are we supposed to live in light of this? What does Solomon say? Look at verse 15. I commend joy, for man has no good thing under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful. For this, for this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the son. Here's what Solomon says. Solomon says, you need to change your perspective. How do we live in this world? How do we live in this world that is messed up, that there is pain in, that there is struggle in? How do we live in it? How do we move and actually live the good life as Solomon's about to describe? How do we do this? It's going to require you to change your perspective. And and the first thing that you've got to do, that verse 15 says, you've got to see every day, every day, every single one of them, every day that you get, no matter how painful it might be, every day that you get is a gift from God. One of the greatest things I ever heard somebody say that was doing something like this, preaching like this, was he said he would wake up in the morning and he would sit in a chair and he would just breathe and he would thank God for the ability to breathe. And that sounds ridiculous to us. Like, why would we not breathe, dude? I do it all day. But what, what, what it made me think about is I'm not owed breathing. My, like, I'm not owed my heart continuing to pump blood to my body. Like, if we really take the scripture seriously, and Jesus is upholding every bit of the world, including myself and my body, holding it all together, then that means he keeps my heart pumping and my lungs breathing and my body working like it needs to for me to be alive. So every day that you get, whether it is the, whether you come home and you just feel like you had the crummiest day or you, you come home and you're like, I just crushed today. It's a gift from God. No day that you get is like, I earned this one. I earned this one today. It's a gift from God. The second thing, look at verse, look at verse 16. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and see the business that is done on the earth, how neither nor how neither day nor night do one's eyes sleep. Then I saw all the work of God that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. This is what Solomon says, right? Let's go back to our intro of Solomon. He's the wisest dude to ever live. I mean, like has got crazy smarts and knows how to apply it, right? He's that kind of guy. And he said, I'm the wisest guy that's ever lived. And I'm trying to think about how God operates. And you know what I can't figure out how God operates. I can't figure it out. So the the next way we need to change our perspective is we need to trust and we need to know that God is, God is working in all things, including your pain. You see, the mistake that we make, the mistake that we make is that, oh, when there is pain, God is distant. When there is struggle, I must be far from or God must be far from myself. But that's not true. That's not true from the scriptures. It's that God is working in all things, good, bad, ugly, or any different. God works in all things, including your pain. So if you're, fa- if you're staring down the divorce of your parents, or you're staring at this loved one that died way too early, or you, somebody mistreated you, or somebody shoved you out, or you're, you're a victim of abuse, I'm telling you, God is working in your pain. I'm not saying God authored your pain. I'm saying God works in your pain. This is what Paul says. This is what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. 
Speaking of enduring suffering, talking to the Roman church, saying like, hey, I'm just letting you know you guys are suffering. Let me just give you a little bit of encouragement. He says this, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. That's good news for us. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself helps us, intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit, because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Catch this, catch this. And we know. That for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Now, here's the deal. You know that last verse, don't you? You you put it on a t-shirt. You put it on a t-shirt. It's on some coffee mug. It's on your Instagram. Whatever. We know that in all things, God works together for good for those who love him, right? The problem is, is you don't read the rest of the chapter of Paul talking about what's going to separate us from the love of God. Is it going to be sickness? Is it going to be death? No, no. You see, he's talking about suffering. And he says, here's what you need to hold on to in the middle of your suffering. That God is working. God is doing something. God is not wasting your pain. He works all things together for good, not for your pain pleasure not for your ease he works it together for good and guess what you may not get to see that good this side of heaven and we're not satisfied with that this is where this is where the rub happens we're hurt when we shake our fist at god as if god owes us the answer to why god you owe me i deserve better than this god God doesn't owe us the why. God is not, God's not required to say, oh, well, here's, here's the reason I let that roll. But you can hold on to the reality that God is working. God is doing something with it. Ask anybody who's rolled through suffering and is still following Jesus. I bet a majority of them will tell you, I don't have a clue why God did that. But I do know God didn't waste it. Nobody who's walked through suffering and is still following Jesus has said, that was the most useless thing on the planet. It's not wasted. It's never wasted. It's never wasted. So don't, don't shake your fist at God. So how do we live in this life that's full of pain and struggle? You change your perspective. See, every day is a gift. And trust that God's working in it. God, God, Isaiah says this in Isaiah 55 talking of God's ways that we don't understand. This is God's response to Isaiah. For my thoughts, they're not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, this is where we, this is where, this is where it gets down to the get down for us is we get frustrated with God and you're like, that's not how I would have done that. God, you should have done it this way. I think I know a little bit better than you. And then you hear these words from Isaiah 55 and God saying, Hey, my thoughts, they're not your thoughts. My ways, they're not your ways. I operate on a different level than you. And if God is God, his level is better. We can't think we know better than God because the minute you start to think that you know better than God, you start to get real frustrated with God. Because God doesn't operate like you operate. He's different. He's different. So, before you leave here and you're like mega depressed, you're like, well, this life's just a wreck. Praise the Lord. 
So if that's the reality, that pain and struggle are a reality, why follow Jesus? Why? Here's the reason. Because life with Jesus is the only way to make sense of the craziness that you're facing. There's no other way that you're going to make sense of the pain and the struggle that you're in apart from Jesus. Every other thing that you'll look to, to find some kind of answer to the pain or some kind of reason for the pain or some kind of answer to the struggle will end up with your pain and your struggle being meaningless. It will be useless. It will be wasted. But life following Jesus provides the only answer to that, to that question. Because he says it like this. Right after he looks at his disciples and said, in this world you're going to have trouble. John 16, the second half says this. But take heart. I have overcome the world. You see, this is what Jesus says. Hey, look, you're going to face pain. That's just a reality. Just, just, just put it in your brain. You're going to face pain. But be encouraged. Be chill out. Like, I've overcome the world. That's the hope that we've been given. Well, how did he overcome the world? This is how he overcame the world. He came and lived a perfect life on the earth, went and died on a cross. Not just like, oh, he died up there. He died because we were supposed to die there, but God required perfect and we weren't that. And so Jesus died where we were supposed to die, went into a grave and then got up from the dead. Like not nobody stole his body. It wasn't ghost Jesus. It was bodily got up from the dead such that he overcame, overcame sin, death and the devil. And such that he can confidently say, you're going to have trouble but just take heart be encouraged chill out i've overcome the world i win so the only way that you're going to make sense of the pain that you're going through is in me you think the good life is void of pain and struggle then the cross is worthless because jesus faced the greatest pain and the greatest struggle so that you and i could have life So if the good life is free of pain and struggle, then Jesus got it wrong. But but I'm putting my money on that Jesus got it right. The good life's not free of pain and struggle. You know this. It's not the easy life. But when we live this good life of following Jesus we find that none of our pain and none of our struggles wasted. And we find that God redeems all things. God brings all things back to something good, some good purpose. You may not see it now. You may not see it until eternity. That's okay. But faith looks like you knowing and trusting and living every single day in the face of your pain like God is because he is working in your pain. God's working in your pain. God's good to you in your pain. So why don't you bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. So the the, the reality is, is that a A good portion of you are probably facing or on the backside of some kind of pain, some kind of struggle, whether it's relational or familial or whatever. The parents split, relationship went upside down, loved one passed away, somebody got 
the, the diagnosis from the doctor that nobody could believe. I mean, like you're just staring down that whole deal. And you're, you're ready to shake your fist at God and bail. And say, if you're really good, this is not what I deserve. I'm begging you. I'm begging you to, to reconsider. Because I'm, according to Solomon and according to Jesus... Looking somewhere else isn't going to fix your problem. Looking somewhere else isn't going to make it better. It's not going to, the easy life isn't going to fix it. It's not going to give you what you're looking for. And you're grasping at everything to, to fulfill some kind of void in you because of this pain. And the whole time, Jesus is saying, would you just, would you just come near? You're going to have trouble. I know that. But take heart. Be encouraged. I've overcome the world. I'm the one that wins. I win. Come to me. So don't bail on God. Run toward God. 